Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Makes some um, synth noises. <laughs> and today we are talking Polymer by Caleb Wilson. It is part of Eraserhead Press's New Bizarro Author Series. Uh, it's a short book, it's a novella, novelette. I believe it's a novelette. Yeah. Um, Roughly, roughly eighty pages for the total book. Yeah, it's like chapbook sized. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, and it's nice that uh, Eraserhead Press is releasing these like small, uh, easily digestible pieces by these authors. Yeah, they uh they did one of uh, Scott um, Thompson's books. Yep, yep. A couple of friends of the show were published in this series. Uh, Scott Thompson. They did uh, what was it? Hate from the sky. Yeah, hate from the sky, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my review on the Microphones of Madness blog. That's right. Also, um, Farrah Smith has uh, Eviscerator. Eviscerator is coming up. I yep. think she mentioned that she's going to have copies of that at ReaderCon. Nice. No, no, no. She said she, she might not have copies of it. It might be coming out like too soon for Reader. Yeah. I think it's coming out uh, while ReaderCon's going on. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're going to ReaderCon, um, I think she'll have co- she should have copies of Almanac of Dust, which right. we reviewed on this show. You should have heard that from from a few weeks ago. That's right, and uh, so yeah, go by, say hi, pick up some books, get them autographed, and uh, read them, love them, and uh, whatever you do with books after you love them. But, friends and never get them back. But back to the topic at hand: polymer, Caleb Wilson. What'd you think, Steve? Um, it was it, this was a very strange book. I um, I'm still kind of processing it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's um, there was a lot of, of of hype, I guess, around this book. A lot of people had mentioned um, picking it up and reading it, or getting arts for it and reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had come very recommended from these people. Yes. Um, I know um, Lehman was was conducting it for the Ask Lovecraft Appreciation Society Book Club. Yep. Um, and so it, it definitely comes highly recommended. Um, having read it, it is, I can honestly say, unlike anything else I've read. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's where the bizarro comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, just in this, just the style, it's striking, um, how specifically vague it is. Right. It's, (laughs) it's interesting because as I was reading, uh, the second half, because we, we split it in a couple of weeks because of, uh, technical difficulties getting the show on the air, uh, that there seems to be a, uh, perspective shift that, there are there are unnamed narrators, but it seems like there are multiple unnamed narrators. Yeah, the way the the way that uh, Wilson has this set up is you have like this amorphous blob narrator who mm-hmm. has like this very specific point of view that shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like it's being crowd narrated. Right, and, and you get ideas. It's like you're floating around in the minds of this mob, and you're getting occasionally you get like stray thoughts 
popping in and things mm -hmm. like that. And it's almost like a either multiple narrators or a consensus narration. Yeah, it, it's really weird. Um, never once does the narrator use the word I, mm -hmm. or we, or well, we is used, but but it's it's never singular. Um, it's a lot of those of us who were here, blah, blah, blah. And after they all get slaughtered, and those of us who were here experience this. Mm -hmm. And you'll, you'll actually have um, whatever entity entities are narrating at the time die horrible deaths, but the narration continues with just another part of the group mind. Right, right. It's it, The narration is completely unbroken. A lot of times, if you switch perspectives, there's always some, some type of gap. Yeah, it, it's almost like it's being narrated by, by um, like, cloud sourcing. Mm -hmm. Like, like um, you know, the iCloud or whatever your, whatever cloud you use to store your shit on. Right. Well, it's, 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 I've never experienced that before. I've experienced multiple narrators. Mm -hmm. um, I've experience omniscient narrators but never this right and that that itself uh is is such an interesting uh device that makes the book you have to check it out just for that device if you're interested in the craft of writing or unique storytelling styles this this type of consensus narration or uh collective unconscious narration and, and it works really well considering the subject matter mm -hmm. uh, of, of the circus. Basically what you have is um, the, the main character, Polymer, who mm -hmm. is hero worshipped by everyone. It's almost like a combination of Ziggy Stardust, um, the, the WWE, mm -hmm. and a D&D &D character all rolled into one that everyone um just loves and follows and it, it, the way it's narrated fits right into that because you are you essentially become the zeitgeist of the fandom of mm -hmm. this guy right and you have it it does seem that way uh it's like um almost a critique a little bit on reality shows and and uh, the cult of celebrity and this sort of thing. What what Caleb has done with the world building here is that we have a town. It's kind of an anywhere city. And these cracks have opened up to another world. They call it the castle. And it's become popular entertainment that a group of adventurers go into the castle and fight these uh, creatures that are in there that are kind of artificial, but not. And there's this um, electronic sound, new synth that is associated with everything that happens down there. So there's a bit of a musical element and the, the power of music, the power of sound. Right. And they, they actually use the, the new synth to uh, in their fighting. Mm-hmm. Right, each each creature, almost like a video game, where each creature has its own uh, sound design. Right, and it uses it. It's like a rhythm game, and the creature uses the sounds, and the sounds generate the attacks that they use. 
And it's it's a really interesting piece. And then you get this kind of dungeon crawl as spectator sport uh, feeling in there as well through the narration. Right. And you also, we were talking about the the uh, uncon the collective unconscious or the group mind narrator. Uh, there's also interspersed a couple of sections of tabloid reporting. Yeah, and it, and it's even that is weird because it's all like um, psychic. Mm -hmm. It's all remote viewed. Yeah. So so we get all the the, the we're privy all the secret goings on that, that the audience can't see through this remote viewer who works for a tabloid magazine. Right. And in a like, way that's kind of like the director's uh, cut mm -hmm. part of it where you have a, it almost functions like um, audio commentary mm -hmm. on a DVD track or like in a comic book um, when they'll publish the script with, mm -hmm. with notes from, from the author. Right. You know, or or the old Marvel comics. You know, where's Spider Man? Well, if you'd read Spider Man number sixty three, yeah, you know, yeah. smiling Stan. <laughs> yeah, there, it's 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 a size that gets us into like more. Some of it's like into his this guy's personal life, mm -hmm. um, and some of it is into um, polymer disappears from from the view of the crowd. Um, what happened to him? And if you read off, Polymer issue 63, you would know. Off camera stuff. Mm -hmm. Smiling Stan. Right. <laughs> Smiling Caleb. Cheerful Caleb. Cheerful Caleb. Wacky Wilson. <laughs> so um, we can't really we can't really spoil what's going on because the narrative structure is this kind of almost stream of consciousness sort of thing, and it bounces around from place to place. It's not necessarily a point A to point B focused narrative. It is more about the phenomenon of yeah. polymer and these events that are happening. Yeah, there is a there is like a plot that goes through it and it's more of a um of a degradation mm. um with the system that's going on, how everything um that's that happens just starts to degrade. Um the, the world they're in the, the game they're watching and it's all due to the interactions between the quote forces of good, the heroes and the forces of bad that come from the castle. Mm -hmm. And the, the more that they confront each other, the worse it gets just in terms of the general populace, um, the, the worst conditions that they're forced to, to live in. And, uh, and, and just, just for the sheer fact, and we've all been there, we've all done this, where you put your life on hold for entertainment. Yes. Binge watching. Right. Binge watching, uh, you know, spending time listening to idiots blather on about literature on the internet. <laughs> Being an idiot. No, we encourage on. that. <laughs> we encourage watching people play role playing games on YouTube, or, you know. But it's not to. But those those examples are not to the point of the people of this city. No, they're certainly not, um, because we all love to be entertained. Mm -hmm. But sometimes our desire to be entertained overwhelms the the necessities of life. What you need right. to do to live, thrive, and survive. Mm -hmm. Polymer takes this almost uh, Grateful Dead sort of effect on the people who watch. 
you know, and I, I presume that there's got to be somebody in this town who doesn't give a shit about polymer, but, but there's enough. Right. It doesn't seem that way. It seems like this phenomenon. It's like the, the city sports team. Well, actually, one person kind of doesn't give a shit, and that's Herkimer. His mm -hmm. girlfriend really doesn't care for him, but is kind of like with him to in a self-serving way. Right, right. Because, she sells mutant potatoes. Yeah, because it helps her sell her mutant potatoes. And, and uh, later porno vids. Right. It's Razorhead Press. You've got to have porno vids, right? Um, I don't think it be. I don't think it's bizarro without at least a little bit of porn bits. I'm not going to change my mind. Topic. Change your mind. <laughs> Steve thinks that uh, you can't have bizarro without porn. Change his mind. Microphones madness at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've ever read that is that is bizarro has had tidbits of porn. In. Of course, a lot of stuff I read anyway has tidbits of porn anyway. So who knows? That's right. All those Conan stories. Yes, sir. The only thing that I don't that I read that doesn't have porn in it is Lovecraft. And that's only because it's implied porn. <laughs> I mean, how do hybrids happen? Right. We're not gonna we'll get into that. Now now speak now that you bring up that, there is that little bit of cosmic horror happening. Yeah, with toward um, the end of this narrative. Yeah, the end kind of reminded me a little bit of um, the end of um, Augmented Force. Yeah, yeah, it had it had that sort of thing going on, and I don't want to spoil the book. I I do like how the big cosmic evil, well, thing I won't say mm -hmm. evil is a QZRM. Mm -hmm. It, so it like fits all it fits all these great like um just it, it, it you get your Lovecraftian unpronounceable name because there's no vowels right. right it's all consonants you get your tetragrammatron from because they're uh, all capitalized Judaism because it's unpronounceable in English mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great it's very clever how how um, yeah. he, he worked that. QZRM, Yodve Hadve, Yodhe Vabhe. Yeah, Dida. Seems seems that that's that sort of thing there is is a little bit tongue in cheek. I think it's totally tongue in cheek. And I'm I'm sure after you know cent centuries, millennium after the incident, uh, you'll have people who are putting vowels in there. We'll refer to the one true God as uh, Kisram. Instead of Jehovah, uh, possibly, possibly. I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, the world is kind of wide open. It's hard to to talk about this without, um, you know, getting into the plot. All right, specific plot, spoilery details, and you know, we really you shouldn't spoil this one because it's such a short book, right? And and we're trying to be better about that. Right, we've spoiled tons of books and stories over the years, and uh, we really want you to buy this book, read the book, and come to your own conclusions, not listen necessarily to what our opinion of the book is, and right. going from there. Blathering on. Blathering on. Um, but he does have some really cool just science fiction-y stuff in here, mm -hmm. like uh, Polymer, Polymer himself. 
was actually was had a different identity before he became polymer mm -hmm. um and his face was basically eaten off of his head right which and is what new face. right which is what happens um with some of these things in the castle mm -hmm. they eat your face and uh he's now polymer because his new face is completely synthetic and it is uh blue yes so it's kind of like um i was picturing like kang Right. Um, I was thinking more uh, Blue Man Group because because he he mentioned, but it's neoprene, which is the stuff that like diving suits are made out of. Right. And that's why so I was it's a really gives a really weird textual sensation. Which is why I was thinking Kang because um, Kang has that blue mask mm -hmm. that he puts on with the uh, mouth that moves. With right. his with his mouth, because <laughs> it's comics, right? But this is more of a synthetic face, right? Which kind of is like what Kang mm -hmm. was was rocking, because you know Kang's uh, mask had tons of gadgetry and stuff in it, right? But you also have uh, this aspect that, if told from a slightly different perspective, this would be a classic sword and sorcery kind of story yeah descending into the 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 castle and fighting off various minions until you reach the uh the big bad now one thing i thought was really interesting right is uh caleb has this this thing for faces really because both polymer and our main bad guy who i've forgotten his name um abysma lord abysma uh, have interesting things going on with their faces. Yeah, Abysma's face. Abysma's face is one of those optical illusions where the face is concave. Right, so instead of uh, bumps, there's recesses. It looks mm -hmm. like its eyes are following you no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. And from certain angles, it looks like a normal face, three-dimensional. Right. And that was kind of like the the big shock, drive, you know, sanity roll moment. Right. That was really cool. It was really cool. It was it was a really interesting idea to have a, a, a villainous character, and he was a villainous character, all uh, and of the classic sort of villainous megalomaniac character. Yeah, he's definitely a pulp villain. Yeah, with a face, you know, like Dick Tracy villain or something. Right. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, like ah, darn. I'll get you this time, cave face. Cave face. <laughs> Bowl head. And interestingly enough, um, Abysma is one of the only uh, non-crowd characters to actually say anything. Yes. Uh, Polymer doesn't talk until the end, I think. Right. Polymer doesn't say a word till the end. None of the other quote-unquote heroes mm -hmm. um, say anything. And really the only dialogue you... Yeah, really, are Abysma's um, monologues and his threats. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And and they are just rah, peons. Well, which makes sense, because if you, if, you, if you look at it from the perspective of, of being a spectator at a sporting event, mm -hmm. um, even like wrestling, you don't get to hear what the players say ever right 
Unless you know, every, every once in a while, you'll have a hot mic on the court, and you'll hear Charles Barkley going, fuck, 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 fuck. Mm-hmm. Which I remember distinctly from, from the 90s. But um, you really don't get to hear a lot of what the players are actually saying. You get to hear what the um, announcers are saying and what they are interpreting players to have said, which is what you have here. Mm -hmm. But you don't actually get to hear players um, converse with each other a lot. That's true. That's true. Now, speaking of players and, and, and characters, there are three other characters who were once part of Polymer's party, going back to the dungeon crawl. Uh, Polymer had three companions that he went down with, but he got so popular, particularly after he was already popular before his face got ripped off and replaced with blue neoprene. Yeah, so that would be Captain Edgemond, Hector, and Mauve. Mm-hmm. They are not as popular. They are, you know, the they got, well, they got left behind. Howling commandos to Polymer's Captain America. Yeah, even probably even less because it doesn't seem like Polymer really hangs with him at all. He kind of goes off and does his own thing. Right. Not yeah, he doesn't do it anymore. He's pretty much gone solo. Yeah. And everyone else's uh career in the Dungeon Crawl game, in the Castle Raid, is thrown by the wayside because without Polymer in their group, nobody cares they have their own fans but it, it's certainly it's not it's kind they have fans but it's it's they're like, not as because, rabid it's because because they're, they're fans of the game mm-hmm. um as opposed to being no one's like um, a mob fan like off the bat uh, you get um i guess backsplash um, adoration from Polymer mm-hmm. fandom. Like, right. oh yeah, oh, I like Mob fine, but you know, Polymer's the shit. Or maybe you even get people who are like, Polymer. Everybody loves Polymer. I'm into Mob. But you know, it's just a reaction. Right. They, and, they, the, and the book is all called Polymer, so really, right. you're not going to be talking to those fans anyway. Right. You're, they're too, too hip to like Polymer, even though deep down inside, you know the Polymer thing. Yeah, like while all those other sheep, while the sheep are following Polymer, here we are with Mauve. Right. The true hero of the castle. Right. And her flashing daggers of death. Right. But, you know, like you said, they don't really do much. Um, they'll, they'll be in the castle fighting, then here comes Polymer, and everyone follows Polymer. Right. And they have that where, where he disappears for a little while. And everybody's kind of like, okay, you know, we'll watch these other guys because we really like seeing this type of shit. Right. And then Polymer arrives and it's like, oh, screw you guys. Fucking second but, string. Well, yeah. It's um, like, a, John it's like the player strike. John Cena's not on the card tonight. So we'll just watch. Right. Uh, we'll just watch in the scrubs. Right. We'll watch the scrubs. <laughs> we'll watch, we'll watch Raven. <laughs> John Cena was popular, right? He was like a big draw right john john cena still is okay i don't watch wrestling i just that, that I, I, I just know him from memes right <laughs> polymer's a meme out of nowhere polymer well there's a there's a cottage industry of um 
a polymer religion that his parents have um, profited off yeah. of. Very, very um, Elvis-like. Yeah. Except you have, but you have traditional religious roles. You have a priest and a prophet and a Templar. Polymers. Acolytes. Right, acolytes and stuff like that. It is this holy stage that they're looking for that the final battle will be fought here. They have a guy who's like an oracle who reads the tinsel <laughs> and it's really great uh, indictment of the cult of celebrity. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so over the top that you can't help but um, compare it to what we experience in our own lives with um, television, music, sports, mm -hmm. politics, what have you, whatever is, is entertaining us at the time. Right. You know, the only thing that's missing from Polymer's fandom is making um, whatever. Haters. <laughs> Haters. Like, rabid fans. Right. Rabid fans. Shit. True fans. Box fans. You know, nobody, nobody's coming in here. There's not a commentary running throughout this entire book of Polymer was much better before they put his face back on with that blue shit. Why are they doing this? They need to respect the fans. Right. I'm sure there's that. There's somewhere. There's somewhere oh, those guys that. are somewhere. They probably got killed by the, the mob. Oh, they also have sugar frogs. Whatever so that is. That's a horrible monster. It's really the only monster that gets described any type of serious description. No, there's those things that are in the translucent armor that are like um, dust balls, mm -hmm. dust bunnies in armor. Right. Like wet dust bunnies that are shoved into like translucent armor and they move by like kind of like hitting the sides of the armor. Mm -hmm. But apparently they're like really, they, you know, they're like uh, cobalts. Mm -hmm. One, okay, yeah, you can get one but when they when you get 10 of them coming on you get overwhelmed yes lots of interesting creatures uh there's the insect toward the end uh there's the the wraith like creatures that rise up from piles of bones and attack you yeah it, it, it definitely has like that RPG feel to it, like mm -hmm. you know, like a JRPG or something, right? Like a almost transhumanist, like a eclipse phase crossed with D and D. Yeah, but video game, right? It's uh, there's there's definitely parts of it which you can tell are like this is the cutscene, mm -hmm. and this is the player experience, right? Which it's not bad. I mean, it it definitely the way it's so clever the way it's crafted, um, because it does remind you of all these things that that we used to distract ourselves, and mm -hmm. it takes like a little bit of all of it. Right, it takes a little bit of all of it, and merges it together into one big bubbling blob <laughs> and an indictment of celebrity culture and, and fandom. Uh, yeah, and I guess that is like where um, where bizarro and weird fiction can really shine 
because a, a lot of the situations that crop up in these are, mm -hmm. are well, like like it says in the box, bizarre. Right. But they're so they're so extremely ridiculous mm -hmm. that um, you you can't help but try and put it into some sort of familiar perspective. This story turns all of that on its head, gives us a weird perspective on it, and makes the tropes so over the top that it becomes a critique of the tropes themselves. Right. Well, and not only the tropes, but the behaviors of, of real people in the real world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, anybody who's ever like cringed at Rick and Morty fans getting upset over the un the unavailability of um, sauce at McDonald's mm -hmm. or um, what's, some, what's or some more recent. That's the one that burns me up the most, honestly, right. or, or, or um, complaining about diversity in star Wars films. Right. Um, who, who, you know, people who want to reshoot um, the, the last one, um, Last the last Jedi. Jedi, because they didn't like it. Right, to petition to strike it from the canon. Because yeah. it's not their Star Wars, because they own it. And th you you definitely get the sense that these fans own Polymer. Right, in, in their own mind, that, that Polymer is their yeah. possession. And, and that and, everything he does is for them. Right. And yeah, in a way, yes. You don't have an artists without people consuming the art right that relationship is true but the the people consuming the art don't dictate what the art gets to be unless they're actually paying for it directly right you were hired to paint the sistine chapel and this is what you're going to put on there mm -hmm. but right but that's different than someone um, making a film mm -hmm. or a comic book or a TV show or whatever and uh, somebody not liking it and getting up in arms about it and harassing the people involved who, in who it. are involved in it, um, which unfortunately seems to be more and more the norm these days, that if you don't like something, you take offense and you get on the horn and, and, you know, drive people off Instagram. And I, I do not understand that kind of mentality from a fan. No. From someone who's supposed to be a fan of something. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you're more than welcome to have your opinion about anything. Right. You could like something. You could not like something. You could have your reasons for it. And, you know, most reasons for liking or disliking something are, you know, opinion and, and you know, I guess valid. Because it's just an opinion, BFD. But once you cross a line where your opinion um, becomes, in your mind, fact, mm -hmm. and you you um, get offended because of the, you feel some sort of entitlement or ownership toward that art, um, and you start to take action that harms other people then you know something's wrong and and if it happens once or twice in small doses okay you know you get some sick fucks out there but this is like a cultural phenomenon these days mm -hmm. a concerted and effort this is like yeah people organize this and they brag about it and it that 
is one of the most disturbing things that you can take out of uh, pop culture mm -hmm. is that people do this and think that they're doing the right thing. I think you're being a little too generous when you're using the word people because we it's it's a specific kind of person doing this. Are you talking about people of light? <laughs> but it is. It is. The, the, the fans who are responsible for all of this, this, this outspoken rage. And it's ugly. It, and it's it, ugly. It, it, it is ugly. And, and these people who are attacking actors, actresses, uh, the president of fucking Lucasfilm are all a certain kind of person. And what I mean by that is white dude, roughly middle age. People of light. Mm -hmm. White people. Crackers. Crackers. Honkies. Yes. Um, and it, it just, it's, it's, it's disturbing. It's disturbing that people it is disturbing that find themselves to be entitled and and not only entitled because like you're always gonna have that and people have always felt, especially the people we're talking about, have always mm. felt entitled, but about fucking pop culture. I mean, in the in the big the grand scheme of things, Star Wars doesn't fucking matter. Ghostbusters doesn't matter. You know, it, 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 yes, it entertains, it's fun, but and, unless you're directly involved with it, it doesn't put bread on the table. No. Um, I, you know, and don't get me wrong, it has value. You can bond with your kid over Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you, you can be inspired by the actions of, um, an, of a character in a film or a book, you know. What what would Han Solo do in this situation, you know, right. and, and and or what would Spider Man do? And, and yeah, it does have value. And I guess I was oversimplifying things, but its value is personal. And if if you don't like the uh, the direction something is going, like let's say, oh, I don't know, a comic book like Batman. Well, you don't like the way the character's going. And I've complained about Batman before. Right. And, and how I don't like um, what they're doing with the character. We've done entire episodes on how we don't like what people are doing with the Batman character. Yeah, but neither of us called up any of these people and threatened them. <laughs> right, right. We didn't go and harass Christopher Nolan. And neither of us said that totally invalidates the uh, the Batman characters that we do like. Right. The, the runs that we enjoy, mm -hmm. right? And, and and neither and neither of us is stupid enough to assume that the future of Batman is going to be forever dark and forever Ayn Rand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be what it is. And you know, right now, I don't like the character. I don't buy it. I, I don't pay attention to it. Right. And and that that's just that's that. Mm. Hands washed. Hands washed. Now that we've diverged and, and... I don't think that's a diversion, though. I think that is part of, of what this book is about. Um, An know, indictment of fan fandom? Yeah, just how like fans suck. 
and right. <laughs> and and right. how how you know fandom how really, silly fandom is really. and how it ruins everything <laughs> right polymer has fans who are so into what's going on with this character and, and this person that they don't eat they forget to go to work yeah and they get fired and it's like it's no big deal other fans will come they'll bring some bread and we'll be right. I'll, yeah. I'll just sell beads at the castle you know people <laughs> on the river are happy to give <laughs> So yeah, I, I, that was like my big takeaway, I guess, is just, and, and maybe that's just where my head has been for a little while. Mm-hmm. But my big takeaway from this is like fans suck, right, right. And and even like so, one of the inspirations for the character that I I think Ziggy Stardust, mm-hmm. even at the end of Ziggy Stardust, it talks about how fans suck on right. that album. Mm-hmm. He also reminds me a little bit of uh, Bruce Lee in. Uh, game of death, where he's got the, the almost like the tracksuit, right? And he's fighting with a rapier. And Bruce Lee had that kind of his his Jeet Kune Do stance was based around fencing. So it just that's that's who it struck me as being is a very similar to like a like a Bruce Lee kind of character um, with. Even even then, you have that kind of rabid fandom around him. Yeah, yeah. Um, just look at uh, shit, man. I'm sure there's an argument that could be made that it killed Anthony Bourdain. What fandom? Yeah, or celebrity? Celebrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the two are very, you know, linked. Well, obviously, fame but... and fame and celebrity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly. I mean, you have. You have people. I mean, even even the uh, live action performance of the aristocrats that we currently have as the United States government is is kind of a result of that that celebrity uh, media attention sort of thing, where yeah, everybody's going to hang on everything this person does. Well, most definitely, uh, that you know, just the fact that he can do no wrong in, in fans' eyes, right. Uh, he the, the man can shit in a hat and stick it on your grandmother, mm-hmm. and, and these people eat it up. Right, he said it himself. I could kill a baby in the middle of Times Square, and no one would care. Right, they would still vote for me. Right, because but this is not this is not about him. No, it's not. But it, I mean that it's part of the the, the theme of of right, the that, cult of cult of personality the illness that we are currently experiencing in you know at least in America I can't speak for other other venues but right. you know we, we definitely are over entertained and undereducated yes yeah, under informed I would say well I mean educated in a um not in a school sense but in a yeah, informed, you know, um, you know, in an ongoing sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Polymer by Caleb Wilson, uh, plus some other commentary on society. <laughs> Related commentary. Related commentary, but commentary. Uh, that is from Eraserhead Press, the new Bizarro author series. Uh, go out and check it out. Uh, we'll have a link to where you can get it in the 
description of this episode. Yeah. And until next time, when we'll be discussing Buckaroo Banzai and the rest of the title of that movie. Yes. We'll, <laughs> we'll, be, returning, we'll be returning to the movies next week uh, for an examination of Buckaroo Banzai, the cult classic with Peter Weller and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff, um, open open shirt, gold bloom. Hi there. Yes, we'll be talking about Je Jeff Goldblum's um, wardrobe, film wardrobe choices. That is correct. Until next time, keep, keep 30 luck points. <laughs>